The Torah content for this week has been sponsored by Judah and Naomi Dardik in honor of Rabbi Moskowitz's second yard site and in appreciation for all those whose love of Torah and excitement for ideas shines in their teaching. Okay, so we have been, do you even know the topic? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, so uh, I did not uh, choose this, but uh, I was, I mentioned I'm giving a shir about Lashon Hara on Wednesday night, which I did last night, and then also on Friday. And then Chaim told me that he had requested to do a review of the Halachas of Lashon Hara in the Rambam. Uh, so I took a vote and everyone said yes. So that's what we're doing. So but what we're doing is we're, we're trying to actually go further than we've done before. And part of that is, um, is uh, what we're going to do today. Okay, so let's review. Um, so in the Sefer Mitzvah, so the puzzle is don't go as a gossip monger among your people. And then the Rambam in the Sefer Mitzvah brings a chazal that he never seems to bring up again, which is, he says, I've never heard that as the definition of Ruchilis before. Uh, it's clearly based on, um, I think, on the trying to darshan the word rach, uh, like soft. You know, don't be soft in words to this one and harsh to that one. But again, no clue why what, what that's doing here. Then the second definition don't be like a merchant who takes or loads up on things and then goes. Okay. So that's going to be similar to the one he says in the Mishnah Torah. And then included in this is the uh, Isser against Moti uh, Shemra, um, against slander. Funny, he does not mention Lashon Hara in here. Okay. Because we'll see in, in the Mishnah Torah, he has Rechilus, Lashon Hara, and then Moti Shemra. Here, he doesn't mention that at all. Okay. So, so then we get to the Mishnah Torah. So uses the Lashon of Meragel, which Rashi says means uh, the same thing as Rachel. He says that the Gimel and the Chaf are interchangeable um, uh, because it comes, it's produced with the same part of the of the of the mouth. Um, but plain shot is Meragel means to report on someone, right? Like to spy out and then bring a report and then bring it back to someone else. So I, I think the Raman could have easily said Haholik Rachel. But he says hamaragel because he's using the Hebrew word for maraglin. Okay, like you know, and it's funny because the pasuk says rachel. So like the fact that he's deviating from the lashon hapasuk means that presumably he's saying maraglin, uh, you know, uh, davka. Okay, v'alf picha in lokin alavze. Even though you don't get malchus on this because there's no maisa avon gadolhu v'gorim laharog nefashos rabos Israel. It causes many Jewish souls to to be killed. And that's why the second half of the Pasuk says, Do not stand over the blood of your fellow. Go and learn what happened to Doha Domi. And that's what we're going to do today. Okay. But before we do that, you know, the again, the Doha Domi involves lots of people being killed, but presumably the Ramam is not saying that because of Doeg. He's saying it because of the Pasuk. And then Doeg is an example of that. Okay. But then he goes and defines it. He's oops, sorry, he defines Rahilus. He says, uh, Rahil, Zeshu Toin Devarim. This is someone who I, I um I kind of try to hedge my bets on the uh the definition because Toin can either mean to like taina, like to make a claim, or it could also mean to load up. So I'm saying loads up on claims or on words. Uh and goes from this person to that person, but Omer and says, ploni, such and such uh was said by so-and-so, kach shamati ploni. Uh, this is what I heard about so-and-so. Alpha Omer MS, Even though he's speaking truthfully, then he destroys the world. So the, the difficulty here is what exactly are the parameters of this? Because it sounds very broad, and he doesn't say it's negative speech. That is Lashon Hara. He says, Yesh Avon Gadol Mizeh Ad Mo'od Hu Bithla Lav Zeh Hu Lashon Hara. 
That's someone who speaks degradingly about his friend. So the question is, I understand Lashon Hara is speaking degradingly about your friend or your fellow, uh, even if it's true. But what is Rechilos? Like, if I, example, I gave it, you know, let's say if I said, oh, Yosef told me that he had a good Pesach, you know, that fits the definition, but it doesn't seem like it should be gossip. I'm saying kach v'kach amar ploni, right? You know, um, so like the question is, what are the parameters? That's what we're trying to figure out. Yeah. Is the question is, why not? Like, why are you saying it shouldn't be that? I'm saying it just doesn't seem like that is machri uh, olam uh, and gorim lahar v'nafashos Israel. Yeah. I just think it's a viewer puzzle work as, I guess, talk about a certain person saying that she wasn't traditional, another person was saying like, wait, what I don't even view as a negative comment. It's just a comment, doesn't right. Well, th- that's the difficulty, right? Is that that he does not um, seem to indicate that Rachilus is negative uh, in, in contrast to Lashon Hara, but you know it does seem to be that it's negative. And also, look, I mean, if you're going to be, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> in the Gemara, people quote each other all the time. Like quoting someone or, or saying what you heard about someone is not, cannot intrinsically be usher. Uh, that I just refuse to believe that. Okay, so let's look at Doeg, okay? And we're not gonna do um, every Pasuk, but we'll do the relevant ones, okay? So um, this translation here is my ongoing amalgam of my own translation and uh, Alter and our scroll, okay? So I'm just gonna read it in English for the time's sake. So this is in Shmuel Aleph Perichaf Aleph Pasuk 2. And David came to Nov to Achimelech HaKohen. So this is after uh, Yehonasan tells him that Shal is going to kill him. Okay, and he flees. So he's alone. Okay, plain shot he's alone. David came to Nov to Achimelech HaKohen, and Achimelech trembled to meet David. Others say it means he hastened to meet David and said to him, why are you alone and no one is with you? Okay, uh, and the analogy I was going to give, uh, I gave, um, I was going over this with one of my, one of my students, and um, I said, like, it'd be like if you were walking down Reed's Lane and, like, you suddenly saw Kamala Harris just walking by herself. You would assume that something is wrong because you got, like, a second-in-command individual alone, like, you know, or even worse than that, not walking along. She burst into the door, you know, like, so this is, like, the the general, lead general or whatever, and, and, and the... Um, the son-in-law of the king, and he's by himself, right? So that's why he's trembling. Okay. And David said to Achimelech Cohen, the king has charged me with a mission and said to me, let no one know a thing of the mission on which I send you and which I charge you. Uh, thus, I inform my attendants to, to be at a certain secret place. Okay. So he's clearly doing a cover-up because if anyone who is associated with Shal knows that he is fleeing, then word will get back to Shal and then his life will be in danger. So he's making him a very convenient story that it's a secret mission. And that also makes sure that Achimelech is not going to tell anyone. Um, and then he says, kind of suspiciously, and now what do you have at hand? Five loaves of bread, give them to me or whatever there is. Okay, so a little suspicious. Um, and the coin answered David and said, I have no common bread at hand. So uh, lechem chol, uh, only um, lechem kodesh. And there's a whole to do in the Mepharshim about how could Achimelech give him lechem kodesh? Okay, like this question of like, was there a heter or was David starving to death or was he ill? I'm not going to get into that. I don't think it's relevant for our sogia. Uh, and then he adds, if only the lads have kept themselves from women um, because he was concerned about the, the tumah. But then the question is, why is he giving it to David? Whatever. And David answered the coin and said to him, why women are restricted to us as in times gone by when I went out to war and the lad's gear was consecrated. Even if it was a common journey, how much more so now the gear should be consecrated. Okay, so whatever it is, the Kohen gave him what was consecrated for there was no bread except the showbread that had been removed from before Hashem to be replaced with the warm bread when it was taken away. Okay, so he gives him food. Okay. And now here we got the uh, um, the uh, 
what's called in literary terms, Chekhov's gun, I guess, right, where uh, this is foreshadowing. And there was a man of Shaul's servants that day who was, who was detained before Hashem, uh, and his name was Doeg, the Edomite chief of the herdsmen who were Shaul's. So plain shot is he was a chief herdsman. Um, Chazal say that he was a Talmud Chacham, and the reason why he was staying there was, the Mepharshim say, was to be Mispala, or to give extra korbanos, or to learn Torah. So, the, the, but plain shot is he was, he was there. Okay, fine. All right, so he was there. Okay, then David said to Ahimelech, don't you have here at hand a spear or a sword? For neither my sword nor my gear have I taken with me, for the king's mission was urgent. So again, another lie. He really wants a weapon to defend himself, but he's saying, oh, because I, I was you know, on the king's mission. And the Kohen said, the sword of Goliath, the Plishti, whom you struck down in the Valley of the Terebinth, here it is, wrapped in a cloak behind the aphod. And this is a little difficult also. Okay, behind the aphod, um, Rashi, who I assume is quoting Chazal, says, After he inquired of the Urim Vitumim, Amarlo, uh, then, uh, then he said such and such. Uh, and then that's the Targum also. So they say that he asked uh, a question of the aphod here, okay, which is going to be relevant in Doeg's accusation. Um, if you would take this for yourself, take it, for there is none other but it hereabouts. Uh, and David said, there's none like it, give it to me. So he takes the sword. Okay, now I'm cutting out this last part because it's not relevant to Arsugia, and I'm cutting out the next part of chapter 22. Okay, now we have Shal. They switch to the scene. And Shal heard that David was discovered and the men who were with him, and Shal was sitting in Gibeah under the tamarisk on the height his spear in his hand and all his servants poised in attendance upon him. And Shaul said to his servants poised in attendance upon him, listen now, you Benjaminites, will the son of Yishai give every one of you fields and vineyards? Will he make every one of you captains of thousands and captains of hundreds that all of you should have conspired against me and none revealed to me when my son made a pact with the son of Yishai and none of you was troubled for uh, my sake to reveal to me that my son has set up my servant to lie and wait against me on this very day. So uh, Robert Alter points out that this is very uh, literally consistent with Shaul's like paranoia and madness. It's just like one on like sentence, you know, of like this uh, paranoia. Okay, so then here we go. Here's the Rithelos. And Doeg the Edomite, who was poised in attendance with Shal's servants, spoke out and said, I saw the son of Yishai coming to Nov to Achimelech, the son of Achituv. And he inquired of Hashem through the Urim Tumim and provisions he gave him and the sword of Goliath, the Plishti, he gave him. Okay, so uh, that's the statement. Now, um, uh, let's see what happens, then we'll analyze it. And the king sent to summon Achimelech, the son of Achituv, and all his father's household. Actually, let's talk about it now. So there's this long mob in which Chaim Gerson and I tried to work out, where he highlights all of the changes that Doa made, okay? The main change that he made is that he doesn't indicate to Shaul that Achimelech had no idea that David was fleeing from Shaul. And in fact, if you ask Achimelech, what, why are you helping David? What would he say? Because uh, he's on a royal mission. He's on a royal mission, right? So he's really a servant of the king, right? But Doeg uh, omits that. And he also twists the story to make it sound like, for example, um, he says, I saw the son of Yishai coming to Nov to Ahimelech, son of Ahitu, which implies that he went to Ahimelech's house. When really, Malvin claims, he went to the, the uh, Malcolm Avoda to see the Kohen. And then afterwards, maybe the Kohen like, took him to get bread from elsewhere, you know? Or he also changes the order. He says he inquired of Hashem through the Urim and then gave him provisions and then the sort of Goyas, the Plishti, which 
Shaul, of course, is going to think that he inquired of Hashem to ask about how to flee from Shaul. And then now Achimelech is like giving him provisions and a sword to like help him to get away from Shaul. So the 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 thing is, is that, um, okay, we'll, we'll, I guess we'll analyze it more after that. But that, that's the that's the context now for this next interaction. And the king sent to summon Achimelech, son of Achitub, and all his father's household, the Kalanim who were in Nob, and they all came to the king. Now you're going to see how Shaul took it. Shaul said, listen now, son of Achitub, which is a very disrespectful way to refer to the Kohen, right? That's typically been like, you know, when... Uh, but Israel called Moshe in the Midrash and Ben Amram, like that's like not a respectful term. Yeah. What person off the head of the will just say like your last name? Yeah, exactly. Right. right, exactly. Yeah, that's just not not respectful. Uh, he doesn't address him as, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know what you're, how you're supposed to address the coin, but yeah. Okay, and he said, here I am, my Lord. And Shaul said, why? And here, listen to the accusation. Why did you conspire against me? I'll read in Hebrew. You remember love Shaul, Lama Keshartem Eli. Why did you conspire against me? Ata Uben Yishai, you and the son of Yishai. Besitcha lo lechem v'cherev, to give him bread and the sword. V'sha'ol lo belokim, and to inquire of God for him. Lakum Eli, uh, so that he would get up to la'orev, uh, to lie in wait against me. Kayamazah. Okay, so just straight up taking Doeg's narrative. Okay, and then Rashi adds, V'sha'ol lo belokim, asiso melech, you made him king. Because uh, an ordinary person cannot ask of the Urim Batumim. So the fact that you facilitated that means that you're endorsing his monarchy and like you're a you're traitor to the king. Okay, so Ahimelech gives an answer which, based on my understanding of it, is not the best defense he could have given. Okay, uh, he says, Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who of all your servants is like David, loyal and the king's son in law and captain of your palace guard and honored in your house? Right, so that's true. Uh, meaning, uh, I, I assume David is like loyal. Did I this day for the first time inquire of him for God? We didn't quite know what that meant. Um, it sounds like he's saying, uh, so you could, it sounds like he's saying like, I've done this before. Uh, what did Rashi say? Yeah. There's a communal need and you're allowed to ask for a communal need. Um, so in other words, I think he's saying, according to Rashi, like, like you're allowed to ask for communal needs and David is the general. So like, yeah, this is not asking because I'm making him king. This is asking because like, you know, I, I need help the community. Uh, far be it from me. Let not the king impute anything to his servant or to all my father's house for your servant knew nothing of all this, neither great nor small. So that, that's the key defense here. So I didn't know anything about this, but it says, and the king said, you are doomed to die, Ahimelech, you and all your father's house. So then what happens and the king said to the runners poised in attendance on him, uh, turn around and put to death the Kohanim of Hashem, for their hand too is with David, for they knew he was fleeing and did not reveal it to me. Now that's just totally false. Um, the the Achimelech didn't know. Certainly all the other Kohanim are blameless. Uh, but he's just, you know, saying they're all in on it. And the king's servants did not want to reach out their hand to stab the Kohanim of Hashem. And the king said to Doeg, you then turn around and stab the priest. Uh, and Doeg the Edomite turned around and it was he who stabbed the priest. And he put to death on that day 85 men who wore the linen ephod. And he struck down Nov, the city of Kohanim, with the edge of the sword. Man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and donkey and sheep, all by the edge of the sword. Clearly seems to be an allusion to Amalek, right? This is what Shal was supposed to do to Amalek to kill uh, all these people, and it ends up being, you know, reversed here. I don't know what, what's up with that. And then uh, one of the sons of Achimelech, son of Achidub, got away. His name was Eviasar, um, which is one of those, like, Tanakhi names. My father remains, right? Uh, um, I guess, I don't know. And he fled after David, and Eviasar told David that Shaul had killed the Kohanim of Hashem. And David said to Eviasar, I knew on that day that Doeg the Edomite was there, and he would surely tell Shaul, I am the one who caused the loss of all the lives of your father's house. Stay with me. Do not fear, for whoever seeks my life seeks your life, and you are under my guard. 
Okay, so we, this is the first time I've ever done what the Ram said of going and learning what happens to Dogat Edomite. So the question is, you know, the Ram is telling us to go and learn from him in terms of the consequences that, that a little Rahilus can go a long way and get 85 Kohanim killed. But I think what we should get from this is this is an example of Rahilus. So the question is, can we use that to, um, to come up with a unified definition of Rahilus? And again, just to go over the, the notes again, we have, that's one note. Note two is which the Ramam repeats in um, uh, in his definition here. Is this um, Okay, and it is uh, and it is uh, someone who's a Muragel and it is So the question is, what would you what would you define Rachilus as based on uh, all of these uh these uh, indications here. And the word Rahil means merchant, by the way. Uh, that's the uh, the thing here. Here, I'll make this bigger. <clears throat> you have any ideas? One of those. Well, it's for us, maybe it's David who did the Rechilus, so tell you anything. So, you know, it's funny. I, I actually, I did, I, you know, since I never learned the story, I didn't realize that David took the blame. Um, and David was lying, but he was lying to save his life, right? I mean, he lied about, you know, but I, nowhere does anyone say that David did Rechilus that I've seen. So okay. I, I, that's why I wouldn't go with that assumption. So I'm going to go ahead just because I have to leave now. I'm going to suggest a, um, a definition that we could think about over the weekend which is, uh, and this is a loose definition. And I actually want to go back and see what definition I gave when I did this two years ago. Uh, I would say it's like this. It is, um, Rechilus is the, is the indiscriminate sharing of, of, um, of information or conversations. I'm not exactly sure how to put it without regards to context. Okay. And it's the quality of the indiscriminate and without being regards to context that is what opens the, go- the door to all of these, um, uh, like, dis- d- destructive, uh, um, what do you call, um, uh, consequences. It might also have a- an element of, again, because the word used is a merchant. So you are doing this in order to get something from somebody, you know? So, like, the common case of gossip is you're basically, like, common gossip is you're trading information about people for the sake of entertainment. Like you're taking juicy pieces of information and then telling them to people who are going to like approve of you or like, you know, uh, or like, you know, trade you for pieces of information. But I think what we see from Doig is everything he said was true, but he's sharing it in a way that is omitting valuable pieces of information that could change the whole meaning. And he's like, it. He's imposing a narrative on it, but the very fact that someone is doing this with uh, regards to context means that it lends itself to having other narratives imposed upon it. So those are that's like the direction that I'm taking. I think we need to think about it a little bit more, though. Yeah. Do we know if Doig knew the context? Yes. Um, so uh, Doig, according to all the Mufarshim that I read, uh, and I have a, a list of them here, um, Doig, like I'll just read the the, um, the Malden who says it clearest, Visham Ish, Okay, so there was a man. That's the, that's where it mentioned Doeg in chapter twenty-one. So it tells that the coin was not guarding against Doeg. 
So that is a sign that the Cohen never suspected that David was fleeing, right? Because he knew he knew he knew that Doeg was a servant of Shaul. So if there's any Hava Mina that like David was was betraying Shaul or anything like that, then he would have uh, you know, then the fact that Doeg was there was significant. The Zem Magid, Gamkin Rishas Doeg, Shahayasham, the Shama ki David Amar Shaholik Bishlikos Shaul. So this is a sign that Doeg was there and knew that that David had said uh, that he was going on the shlichus of Shal. And he's still like informed on the Kohen. So, uh, and then other, other Mepharsim say the same thing, that, that uh, he was, he, he, he knowingly heard the context and he omitted it when he told, told Shal, okay, I got to go, uh, but stuff to think about. Uh, we'll see what we end up going on next week. I do want to go on in, uh, in, in the Ramams, but uh, yeah, this is good though. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt-schneeweiss, and my Zelle slash Chase QuickPay and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor an article, share, or podcast episode, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewas at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.